Welcome to this edition of Seas of Wonders podcast. I'm Carol, the founder of Seas of Wonder, which is all about supporting you to live your yoga on and off the mat. Today's special guest is Lisa Fabry, a plant-based nutritionist, yoga therapist, and author of Divine Vegan Desserts. As well as being a nutritionist and yoga therapist, during her 30-year career, Lisa has also run an organic vegan cafe, worked as a vegetarian and vegan chef, as well as authoring a mouth-watering book on vegan desserts. Lisa is really passionate about helping others to find their own path to become healthier and happier through practical and simple nourishing eating, movement and mindfulness techniques and practices. After I saw Lisa's fantastic lives and videos on Facebook, I reached out to her to ask if she would like to come along today to talk with me. It's great to have you on Caesar Wonders podcast, Lisa. Thanks so much for making time to do this. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for asking me. It's lovely to be here. So you've a, you're a long-term yoga practitioner as well as a teacher and therapist. Mm. I'm always really intrigued about the people's story about what drew them to yoga in the first place because I find everyone's stories quite different yeah what's your story Mm, yeah okay well it was a long time ago um I took my first class when I was 19 at university and I don't really I can't really say why I went I think it must have just been some kind of magic I think it was just on my path for me to go because yoga really wasn't a thing then um, like it is now and it was mainly older women that went to the classes not not young people there were no studios on every high street it was just sort of you know evening classes in a cold drafty village hall um, but I went along to the staff class in the university And I think I was really, I was just looking for something different because I'd always felt um, very poor at sports. I'd been, I felt ashamed in school because I wasn't really good at sports. And there, I felt a lot of judgment about that. And then I found something um, right from the very first class that I could go to a group and do, but it was by myself and there was no judgment, no competition. And it was had a profound effect on my body and mind. Um, And they they say that people come to yoga for the movement, but they stay for the spirit. And I think that's really what keeps you going if you're a long-term practitioner. So over the years, all of the different aspects of yoga, so movement and breath and music and mantra, the philosophy and sacred teachings, and even some of the more esoteric energy practices have all really woven a lot of magic for me and they've changed my life in a way that I'm profoundly grateful for and provided a lot of support over the years. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I I would just find it fascinating like you were saying, you know, nowadays you turn around and there's a yoga studio in front Mm -hmm. of you Um, and certainly I think I was aware of it in my teenage years and maybe my early 20s, but it, it wasn't something that really hit my radar. If anything, I have to say it was sort of this, uh, in, in England, sort of this hippie thing that, you know, people did. Um, mm. it, not a mainstream thing that we see today. And um, mm. I, I find it really interesting to understand what drew people in um, who've been practicing for a while. So thank you for sharing your story. Um I think also the universe often puts yoga in our path when we need it. Um, yes. I think in my twenties, um, I I was into badminton and running around and doing super fast stuff that uh, I, uh, <laughs> I 
I don't think I would have settled enough. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit I still find challenging. Mm. Um, one of the things I'm particularly interested to ask you, um, yoga therapy. So you're a yoga therapist. That's, that's part of, uh, of your professional suite of skills. And it's one of those things that even though I'm in the yoga world myself, I've never actually had a yoga therapy session or I have these assumptions about what I think it is so I'm quite intrigued to understand a little bit more um, how it's different from say the yoga we practice in class or in our, our private classes with teachers. Mm, yeah that's a really good question because <clears throat> I think uh, that's very confusing for a lot of people. Um, so let me see if I can define that for you a little bit. So yoga therapy as opposed to a private yoga session um, is a one-to-one -one relationship between the client and the therapist, which of course a private session would be. But in yoga therapy, we're using some or all of the tools of yoga, some of the things I just mentioned, all the different aspects of yoga, to address a specific need for healing. So a thera yoga therapy session is about offering a personal supportive environment that helps individuals to heal themselves through the guided use of the different practices. And it's much less about um, practicing a series of poses and more about finding a personal ritual or rhythm or routine, whatever word you want to use, something that people can incorporate into their daily lives. So it might be five minutes of movement and perhaps a, a breath or a gratitude practice or a um, affirmation or something that they use during the day it might be a 20-minute yoga session it really depends on the person and this idea of it being to address a specific need for healing I mean in a way we're drawn to yoga perhaps because we feel the healing aspects of it anyway but one of the things that can happen when we start to feel changes in our bodies and minds that we might label as um, disease or symptoms or something is that we start to think that we're broken and we're lacking something we're uh, you know we're imperfect and we need fixing and I think the thing about yoga therapy that I love is that it starts from um, a recognition of wholeness that we are already everything we ever need to be and it's more about uncovering and releasing some of the the thoughts and the patterns, perhaps, you know, mental patterns, emotional patterns or physical patterns that we've acquired over our lifetime that obscure this perfect, vibrant, whole, radiant being. So rather than curing or fixing a problem, yoga therapy is more about helping people to undo, let go, release, uncover and it sounds like it's on that deeper level that you get in a, a class where I, I certainly the classes or the one-on-ones I've had, they tend to be more focused on the asana, the physical practice. Um, you might do a little bit of mantra, but um, it's obviously tailored to suit the class rather than an individual. So it's sort of that holistic tailored approach of pulling the different aspects of yoga and the yoga lifestyle together. Yes, of course. I and mean, of course, in any uh, group class, you know, much as the teacher might be amazing and experienced, uh, he or she just doesn't have the time to focus the, 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 on the needs of the individuals very much. Mm. And the other aspect that I find quite fascinating is something I explore myself and still on my own journey is 
you're, you're both a yoga teacher and a nutritionist. So I'm quite interested to see your thoughts or hear your thoughts on how nutrition and yoga can work together. Because I know this is a topic mm. that's quite close to your heart. <laughs> it is. And I think you may <laughs> op- have opened a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a long time. Me. Everyone make a cup of tea and get comfy. <laughs> yeah, go get your tea. <laughs> um so okay it's always difficult to know where to start I think really it kind of stems from what you see as good health so obviously as a a holistic practitioner I see health from a really broad perspective it's about how all the many different aspects of your life um, how they're contributing to your life how well you feel they're functioning how good you feel so how happy you feel every day how much energy and vitality you have how comfortable you are in your body how much freedom of movement you have how motivated you are how you manage the stress in your life um, how much you feel at ease in the world like you feel that you're you know your purpose and you're easy in the world how connected you are to other people and how connected you are to yourself so that's you know that's what I see as good health and I think that different people find the path to good health in different ways everybody is different and for me food and yoga have been two of the most important keys for many years now Um, I I'd always been interested in healthy eating since I was um, since I left home to go to university really and I turned vegetarian at the age of 19 and as you heard I took my first yoga class when I was 19 so those things were important in my life but it wasn't really until after I'd had my children and I was I it was the year that I turned 37 actually and that year the significance of nutrition and yoga to my life really became clear to me it was uh a bit of an epiphany for me that year. I had this life that looked really perfect from the outside. I had a husband and two lovely young children, a nice house in an English country village. And I had been working freelance in film and television production. And then after I had the kids in publishing and also homeschooling the children. So um, having dinner parties and eating all organic vegetables. And, you know, I was just like, a bit of an anxious overachiever, uh, if you like. <laughs> but, and that year, I think um, my mum passed away that year, which, which was obviously very oh. hard. And I, I guess it makes you, when you lose a, your parents, and my dad had already died a few years earlier, so I was now alone. Um, and I think that makes you start to feel like, oh, you're the grown-up now, so what are you doing with your life, you know? Um <laughs> And I remember that I sent the husband and the kids away for a weekend camping and I had a mini detox at home, like a juice fast, yoga, journaling, um, just to find out what was really important to me. And uh, that weekend was amazing. It became really clear that it was um, the food that I was choosing to eat and my yoga practice on and off the mat, which I love your emphasis on that because that's always been very important to me, especially when the kids were small and there wasn't so much on the mat stuff. Um, (laughs) But those two things were the keystones in my life and the things that really contributed to my experience of good health. And I realized that I wanted to share them with other people. So um, after that, I, I, 
applied to start a three-year yoga teacher course and I went back to studying to take the sciences I needed to study nutrition and I really felt like I'd this was my purpose um, but then life decided I needed to learn quite a few more things after that and I had <laughs> quite a few really challenging few years we emigrated to Australia we bought a business uh, had difficulty in the marriage and all sorts of things and it really helped me through those times to have a regular yoga practice that I could go to it helped me to know how to be able to breathe my way through stress it helped me to know that there was something more to be able to connect with the divine within myself and with others mm -hmm. so that I wasn't swept away by these feelings and events that were happening to me but I was able to do that yogic thing where you can like stand back a little bit and observe them and notice that they're not you mm. um and of course so the the yoga practice was you know, insanely helpful and it really helped me to focus on eating a healthy diet so that I knew that I was keeping my body and mind working as well as it could so that I could manage all the things I had to juggle um, I'd always believed in the power of what we eat to, to cure us. Like it was my first choice of medicine with the kids and the husband and me um, all the time. If there's something wrong with us, it was like, what can we eat? What supplement do we need? You know, what are we missing in our diet? That was usually the first thing I went to. And that proved itself many, many times to be really helpful and true. So, um, yeah, so I just carried on working with those two things and I realized how very very powerful they were and that they're entwined in a really deep way with my psychology and my ability to manage my world to experience life in a really rich and deep way and to continue to feel right into my mid-50s now to energetic and vibrant and healthy which is not the case for a lot of my contemporaries so I figure I must be doing something right <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, and as I put it, um, you know, in, in my teaching and on my website, I do believe these three things are key that you outlined at the beginning. The food, the nourishment we take into our bodies, our movement, how we move our bodies, and what we think about, how we view the world and the patterns of mind that we choose to adopt. So basically what we eat, how we think, and how we move. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, the series you recently posted on yoga and digestion um, you had some thoughts on um, certain yoga poses that um, that might be assist our digestion um, I, I know it's hard to sort of uh, talk about that online when you can't share <laughs> share the visuals but have you got any recommendations about the particular yoga poses you would recommend to support um, our digestive systems hmm. okay well that's it is a slightly complicated question um, I did that series on yoga for the digestion because so many of my clients and everybody I know <laughs> suffers from poor digestion at the moment. Um, and oftentimes people think it's because they have got food intolerance or something more serious. And it, they may have, but nine times out of 10, it's usually about something a lot more simple. It's often about cultivating some good habits around food and eating that can make a huge difference to our gut health and our digestion. So when I talk about yoga for the digestion, it's less about particular yoga poses and more about how the general principles of yoga and Ayurveda, the sister science of health, can help. And it's true, there are some 
yoga poses that are helpful for the digestion. But I think more to the point is more about looking at um, the, the principles of yoga and how we can apply them to our eating. For example, ahimsa, um, non-harming. So we are infusing good um, energy and love and putting thought into the, what food we eat, making good choices about it, treating ourselves with kindness, not doing harm to our bodies with our food choices. Or it might be about um, using our breath and our ability to focus on one thing, uh, which we call ekagrata um, in Sanskrit, which can help us to calm the nervous system before we eat by perhaps sitting down and taking five breaths and giving some gratitude for where the food has come from, from the earth and all the people that have brought it to our plates. Really simple things, but things that, you know, you say to people, are you doing this? And they go, well, no. Um, so it's just bringing us back to simple things. So um, how to stimulate the digestive fire, the agni by taking a short walk before we eat, using spices like black pepper and ginger and turmeric, um, perhaps taking some lemon juice or apple cider vinegar or some bitter greens before we eat to get the digestion fired up. And then it's, it's a huge topic, really. I mean, we can go into all the different constitutions according to Ayurveda, the doshas, and how they affect our eating and the importance of sort of eating according to our constitution and the importance of consistency and good rhythms around eating. And then going perhaps a little bit more into the physical, learning about how we can tonify our digestive muscles. So the muscles that support the digestive tract, the, the, the deep inner core muscles, and how we can use our breath to create the optimum conditions for good digestion. And, you know, it really is a huge area. And I do just touch on some of these things in the five day series. And if people haven't seen that, they can find that on my YouTube channel as well. Yeah, and on Facebook, I made a note of this because I wanted to share this with everyone. Um, nutrition therapy on Facebook. Um, I really highly recommend um, the lives uh, that you've got recorded. And, and it's on Instagram as well and IDTV, isn't it? Yes, Which yes, is, you can find uh, them there as well, yeah. Nutrition and yoga. Um, no therapy on the Instagram one. Um, but the, I found them fascinating and I at one point you were talking about not multitasking i.e watching tv looking at your uh, insta feed oh uh, my everybody then, does it i do I it you know it. <laughs> so it's discipline. You, you know you have to make that choice that i'm going to do i'm going to give myself this time and i'm going to notice what effect it has on my digestion you know even if you just do it for do these things for a week you don't have to do all of them just pick a couple that you know like maybe you never sit down to eat so just make sure you sit down to eat every time and you um you take those five breaths before you eat uh, and you put that's the phone a, down you know that's easy you can try that out and guess what it might have a magnificent effect on the way you tolerate your food and and you know that's going to make you feel less bloated less uncomfortable less irritable <laughs> yeah my husband will be glad about the latter one but I, I recommend anyone who's listening in who's interested to learn more head over and have a look at those Facebook lives they are fantastic and there's lots of practical tips um, to take away and try and um, the ones that uh, resonate particularly with you 
Um, quite intrigued, Lisa, um, what you've got planned next. What, what uh, Are you going to be doing anything online um, in the sort of coming couple of months? Yes, I am. Um, I would love to share with you about a free webinar that I've got coming up on Wednesday, 2nd of September. So it's called The Change, and it's aimed at women around, very generally, around the time of menopause. So from experience, the first signs of perimenopause right through to maybe 20 years after menopause. So it's really not a clearly defined period of time. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about my thoughts around the menopause and why I wanted to do this. So the the word menopause is just a term created by the West to mean the cessation of menstrual periods and that's it. But it's now used to mean a whole host of symptoms that women in the West experience. And by the way, those symptoms vary so much from culture to culture that they actually can't be a medical thing. Um, they're definitely not human given. It really depends on the culture you live in. And I think that menopause has got very negative connotations in our society. Many women feel like they're no longer sexual beings. Uh, they're moving towards the end of their life and their useful role is no more. And now they're gonna be crusty, dried up old women. And you know, that sounds really horrible. I don't like to use those that kind of language, but it's really how many women feel. Yeah, and... I, I, can, I <laughs> yeah. can actually speak to that. I, I went into <laughs> a perimenopause, which is the, the process towards menopause, in my early 40s. I'm 47 now, and so this kicked off for me a few mm. years ago. And I found my self-talk astounding, what was going on in my head. It's not something I'd have believed about, I don't believe about other women. Mm -hmm. But tried up all prune was something that came to mind because mm -hmm. it was a phrase that I've grown <laughs> up hearing. And it stuck in my head. And that was how I viewed myself. I don't view other people like this, other women like this, but I viewed myself mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. so it's quite shocking how much we mm. are. And then, so I, I absolutely hear you. And in my early 40s, I, I didn't, I mean, I was just struggling coming to the terms. I was considered middle age. I still am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the whole language around it and the whole, well, non-conversation around it, if there is a conversation, it tends yes. to be negative. It's something yes. it, I, I can absolutely vouch for that, that being such a real experience for us. Yeah, you're so right, Carol. And, you know, when you that's so interesting that you say, I didn't think this about other women, but I thought it about myself because you were now going through it and the changes that happen to you during this time are affecting your brain as well as your body. So they're going to change the way you think and feel. So it's not mm. just, you know, it's not as clear cut as you could think the same as you thought about other women. You couldn't because you, you're now in this particular um, transition. But in many cultures, this time in a woman's life is really honoured. It's a mm. transition into wisdom and elderhood. They're given extra sacred responsibilities and family responsibilities they're looked up to by the younger people and I just think it's high time that we reclaim this tradition for our society right <laughs> so, I agree it's um, a beautiful time of life that we you know it's like that next phase for us but rather not the end phase not the lesser phase <laughs> there's, absolutely there's, it's like a culmination know. if anything else mm. um <laughs> so I've 
yeah, I've called, I've used the phrase the change. This is, a, I mean, you probably know it's what they used to call the menopause. When I was mm. a child, it was what the older women used to say. It was like a euphemism. It wasn't really acceptable to talk about anything biological. So they used to say, you know, oh, we're going through the change of life. And I didn't know what that was. But I've reclaimed the term now because I really feel it's much more accurate reflection of this period of our lives because it's not a medical condition. It's not an illness. It's not an end of anything at all, as you just said. And I don't know if you know um, the wonderful author and storyteller, Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She wrote Women Who Run With Wolves many years ago. Um, but she's, she's done some fantastic work. She's a Jungian psychologist. And she, she writes about this phase of our life in a series of audios called The Dangerous Old Woman which I like anyway. <laughs> I like the idea of being dangerous. <laughs> but she describes men menopause as an open door to a new way of seeing and being that has never existed before, a mystical grand entry into a new world. So I love that. And um, that's how I... Uh, facilitate. I've facilitated courses around this already, and I really want to take it online because I just think it's going to enable me to reach out to more women and for women to connect easily in, mm. in a way. Um, so the the free webinar that we're going to do, which are, we'll, we'll look at some of the key issues facing women at this time and investigate some practical strategies we can use, uh, holistic strategies, as we talked about, including nutrition and movement and mindset and energy balancing, but also about how we can reframe our experience of this time in our lives from that medicalized condition into this wonderful opportunity for growth and expansion. So I, rather than an ending, I like to think of this change of life as a transformation, an evolution, a metamorphosis, a rebirth, a blossoming, um, an emergency. You know, it's, a, it's all words that fill us with hope and joy and excitement, right? Rather than you know, worrying about being a dried up old prune. And, you know, it's really an opportunity for us to fully metamorphose into this wise woman elder, the, the grandmother, either literal or, um, you know, surrogate or whatever. We, we're the grandmothers in the society. We're the teachers. We are, if you like, we're like the wise white witch. So, um, if you'd like to join us for that webinar, it's going to be on Wednesday, the 2nd of September at 11 a.m. South Australia time, which is 6.30 p.m. on the 1st of September in the West Coast of the United States and some horrible o'clock in England. Um, <laughs> so you can attend live or you can catch the recording if that time doesn't work for you. So. And that will be on the website. Yes, if you just pop to yeah. the website, there'll be a, a landing page there that you can um, sign up on and I'll just send you the link to tune in. That's great. And I have to remember also in Sydney, it's half an hour difference because um, I've been here nearly 20 years. You'd think I'd have got the time changes across Australia. But, uh, yes, sorry, I should have mentioned what it is on the East Coast. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll put all that on the website so everybody is clear about when it is. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your personal yoga journey, but also your thoughts on um, nutrition and also um, the change. 
Um, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. Um, life is always busy. So I'm always, as you know, really grateful for you taking the time out to listen in. And if today's podcast has inspired you to know more about yoga, nutrition and mindfulness, um, or and navigating obviously through different times of our life do head over to lisa's website um, you can find it at lisafabre.com that's lisa f-a-b-r-y.com uh, where you can find lots more information and blogs and an amazing smoothie recipe if you sign up um, i think for her newsletter i highly recommend it it's brilliant um, and as we said earlier you can find lisa on facebook at lisa fabre nutrition and yoga therapy and instagram it's lisa fabre nutrition and yoga so lisa will announce um, the upcoming um, webinar on her website um, it'll open for registration she would We'll need to register to get the link um, and again that webinar will be coming up on the 2nd of September which is going to come up um, really really soon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, these wonders podcast, um, you can check out our other podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and, and many more um, and you also can find out the, the release of our new podcast blogs and um, once, because this has been recorded in COVID, <laughs> once we get out the other end of COVID, um, events that we'll be putting on, so do hop over to seasofwonder.com uh, to find out more and get the latest news or you can follow us at um, Seas of Wonder Australia on Facebook and Seas of One Australia on Instagram. So that wraps us up for uh, thank you so much for taking time out. I'm so glad um, I tripped over your Facebook recordings. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Carol. I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, I've listened to lots of podcasts and I do find them incredibly helpful and interesting, but this is the first time I've appeared on one. So, um, and I do, you know, just so that people out there know, you know, that in this phase of my life, I have found the courage to try new things and throw away the fear and self-consciousness, self-doubt, self-criticism. Well, I'm in the process of throwing all that away. So um, I really welcome the opportunity to try these new things. And guess what? It, you know, it's not scary at all. It's actually really fun. It's been great talking to you and I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, thank you for making us your first podcast. <laughs> I'm extraordinarily honoured and blessed to have you on. And um, do watch out for more of Lisa. She does these amazing Facebook Lives videos and IGTV, so you can check her out in person there too. So have a lovely rest of your day, wherever you are in the world listening to this. Um, and we will be back with more podcasts soon um, for you to listen to. Until then, namaste to next time and keep safe.